Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Friday, August 20th. Thanks so much for being with us. It has been yet another crazy week. We just keep saying, you know what? Life's going to slow down. It's going to be a little different. And it's not. It's equally crazy (laughs) every single week. It's not. So uh, we all know, I feel like the fall of Afghanistan feels like three weeks ago. We've got kids going back to school, new mask mandates, a lot of breakthrough cases happening. Uh, We've got so much to talk about in so little time. So we're just going to start digging into all of the issues that we can tackle as fast as we can. Mara and Greg are both in the house today. Thanks for being here. Uh, I want to start with um, Biden administration uh, threatening pandemic funding here in Utah and seven other districts. I don't know how much of a threat this really is because I think most of the pandemic funding they're threatening uh, because Utah doesn't have a mask mandate um, in schools. I think that money's been spent. But Mara, uh, do we deserve to be threatened right now? We probably deserve to be threatened, but I think in many ways, uh, Governor Cox's response in saying, hey, this isn't helpful, uh, represents both sides, right? I think f- if you're taking the Biden administration's point of view and you're saying, hey, listen, we're, we gave you these funds to mitigate and we don't think you're going as far as you can to mitigate, that feels fair to me because we took the funds and we took the attached directive with it. Um, and this is, I think, the nice push-pull on federal state uh, I think Cox is who's in the hard spot, actually, because I think the uh, Utah legislature is pretty resolved on their point of view, and I think the Biden administration is pretty resolved on their point of view. And he's, he's in a rock and a hard place. He, he's trying to stretch in the middle a little bit, but uh, in terms of purview, I mean, I think we did take the funding, and I think the Biden administration is saying, I don't think you're doing as much as you can. <laughs> On the flip side, Greg, interestingly enough, I don't know that most other states did as much as they could have to get kids back to school. I think that Utah, a lot of people last year were like, okay, they did something right. They got kids back to school. Uh, Are we screwing it up this year? Because we went back to school, but we went back with masks. Now we're back, no masks. No, I think think it's been a very responsible um, uh, process. I mean, I don't know how you interrupt uh, students now going into what would be a third school year of academic – year-over-year progress, uh, proficiency. Uh, You look at the demographics. If I'm a senior, 75 years of age or older, I'm going, what about the mandates for us? Because we're over half of the deaths. You can't find a a ballpoint pen to create the color of less than 400 children nationally since January of 2020. Well, Greg, I don't know whose point I'm making here, but remember the Biden administration talked about Medicaid and Medicare recipients as well. I know, but I'm saying, you know what? (laughs) My head can get around that. My head cannot get around interrupting yet a third school year, uh, the way they're trying to do it. My other gripe about this is that federal intrusion into our public schools is something that started with George W. Bush with No Child Left Behind, the race to the top with Obama, 
The scariest part as a lawmaker, when I was a lawmaker, was this attempt by the federal government to say, look, school districts, if the states don't want to play ball, just come to us directly. The day our, our districts lobby up and start dealing with a federal government directly for funds, circumventing our states, I think it's going to have incredibly uh, bad consequences. And I see that in this uh, announcement here, plus Biden going after the states like Texas and but to be clear, Florida the, and Utah about civil rights the violations. The Biden administration if you don't did masks. address this to the state. They didn't address this to the school district. I mean, they're not enduranding the state. Uh, um, they went directly to the state government. I, and yeah. one could argue they didn't have to. And but so Mar- they, they're I, I, following you know, that rule. You're hundred percent right there, but I did I did conflate two issues. They at the same time they're they're doing this, they are uh, signaling to Florida and other states that they're going to send fund funding directly to the school districts if they don't want to follow their, their governor's mask uh, issue. You yeah. know, it's interesting to watch. I do like the idea of federalism where we have an option and an opportunity to look on a state level. And here in Utah, we're looking at not just a state level, but a local level of what the problems are. Because I was talking to the health department this week about cases and they said, you know, looking at Salt Lake City or Moab or whatever, you know, you just can't compare and contrast. And sometimes you've got one of the smaller towns that's doing worse than the big city. And it's just hard to know what's going on. And that's where we find a Grand County, which is the only county so far that has a full uh, mask mandate. And that's uh, kindergarten through sixth grade. San Juan County has a couple of schools that are near the reservation that are following reservation rules. I'm guessing because kids come off the reservation to go to them that have masks. And then today, Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall uh, came out with her own mandate for the city specifically, and it's for all kids, all schools. Does this work within what the legislature gave them, or is she like, Free wheel and free cowboy and what's going on? Here? So who knows, right? I mean, what I would say to the legislature is shame on them for not being clear about <laughs> who has what uh, authority. I think it's questionable whether she does, but the fact that it's questionable, I'm going to applaud a local jurisdiction for saying, okay, well, I have a voice and I have jurisdiction and um, I'm going to assert my authority within. So it, it's hard for me to see someone that says, wow, the feds can't come in and talk to us, and yet at the same breath they're saying the legislature should tell the local jurisdictions yeah. what to do. That seems contrary. But I will say I think it's questionable whether she does, although I want to applaud her for stepping into that role and saying, well, I'm going to have an opinion since the legislature has taken a pass on this. Yeah, and I don't think we can give broad strokes here, Greg, but I think if any district were to be like, okay, let's do it mm-hmm. to their mayor, I think Salt Lake City is the place where she can do it, and they'll say, okay, let's well, mask up. Well, I, I would applaud – uh, Moab and, and Grand County, they did it as per statute. You have a county count. You have a county health department. You have a county legislative body, as well as a city that all and a school district that see things and have followed what I can read the plain language of the statute to say. In the case of Aaron Mendenhall, uh, the state, the uh, the Salt Lake City School or the Salt Lake School District is not going to vote on this, so they're not participating. There isn't a Salt Lake County Health Department that is participating because the legislative body rescinded their their uh, order of constraint and so you don't have a county health department you don't have a school district who's voted to have this uh, done but you still have the mayor declaring today that she's going to do it anyway and i just if if there wasn't if it's vague in that statute um (laughs) it it, i can't find anything that even begins i i tried looking at it before we came on this podcast i tried finding the language to say to, to just even find the rationale i don't see it not to say it's not there but um, I think it's m- far more of a leap than what you're seeing happen in uh, Grand County, Moab. The way they did it is exactly the way 
the, the, it, it should happen. I mean, that's what the elected so people... So, Greg, does the, the legislature clarify this, or what happens? I, they're going to have to, honestly. Right? You, they have to... I mean, you're going to have to get more prescriptive if this is... Um, if, if there is some kind of legal yoga going on on this... But uh, are they going to waste their political capital on this? Because uh, do they really want to fight with Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City about what, Salt Lake City School blows, District. Yeah. What blows my mind in the times that we're in right now is you had the Salt Lake County uh, Department of Health uh, Director Angela, Dr. Angela Dunn say... We're not gonna, I'm not going to do a, an order if you're going to turn around and just rescind it. We're not going to put the public through it. And then next week she did. She did exactly that. The, what, what Mayor Mendenhall said three days ago is pending. She used the word pending. Pending the Salt Lake School District's approval, I'm willing to do this. They are not voting to do it, and she's doing it anyway. And I just, I'm, I'm just having a, a difficult time. I think she said she spoke time. to them in private and felt like most of them would. So I don't know what happens. I don't know if the school yeah, sent out letters to the Yeah, winks and nods parents. for elected officials. I don't know if that's a process, really. Yeah, um, I don't know how that works either. And I don't know if the schools are now making up emails and sending them to the parents right. or how people know and get the message out because I believe they start on Monday. So we'll be watching that one closely. But while this is all happening, all the, also this week, last week when we met, uh, the CDC and FDA came out and said people who were immunocompromised would need to have that third shot, the booster shot for the vaccine, if you'd had the mRNA shots, either um, Moderna or Pfizer. And then within a matter of days, it changed to everybody needs it. And the new research that's coming out, uh, I think the first study the CDC noted was actually in nursing homes where they said that they were going from these higher efficacy rates that we've seen in all the studies down to 53% after a certain amount of months. So that's why we're seeing all these breakout, uh, not breakout, but breakthrough cases, which mm -hmm. are technically in someone who's been fully vaccinated and then at least two weeks after the first full dose. And I wanted to give people here in Utah an idea of where we're at. You can never see the whole picture at once, but I talked to the county health department and they gave us a snapshot of 28 days. So the last 28 days, and um, I got these numbers uh, a couple days ago, so that it runs July 19th through the 16th. It kind of lines up with their risk factors they put mm -hmm. online. So you can look at that on a daily basis and see what your risk is, comparatively speaking, to someone who has or has not been vaccinated. But the numbers right now of all those cases in 28 days, there was 23,603 cases. I'll put these numbers online. And 17.8% of those cases during the time frame were breakthrough cases. So we're talking almost one in five cases are breakthrough in Utah in the last month. Uh, there was 1,107 hospitalizations, 18.6% of those in the last month. Again, almost one in five people hospitalized were breakthrough, had been fully vaccinated. And out of 109 deaths, 20% um, of those, or 22, were breakthrough. So that's why we're seeing this push now uh, for the booster shot and probably the worry about whether we need masks or not. So. Can we'll I go first? Because I want to. Uh, I want to. That was a lot of numbers. I, heard, I promised to put them online. I want to. I want to pay homage to Mara because I heard wow. her last week. I heard her say, "You know, you can't expect to be in a global clinical trial, which is what we are with this uh, pandemic, and we don't have data. We're not going through this under the normal course of how we approve vaccines or anything else, and then see, uh, you know, data change very quickly and say, well, that's people lying. No, that easily could be." us understanding what we're in the middle of a lot clearer as days and weeks progress. I get all that. I would like there to be greater transparency in the data that we're collecting. I'd like us to actually give credit to uh, natural immunity. I'd like that to be part of it. I think screening before vaccinating, if, if the booster shot is one of the things that we can do, uh, because it's not it doesn't have the, the it's not lasting as long as they had hoped or they worry that it's not yeah, it's waning um, then we should be measuring or I would hope we would measure 
the natural immunities that you get from the from the antibodies so that we could tell people, look, we're counting immune versus those that are not immune. If you want to catch it and take your chances in catching it, that's one way to get immunity. The other way is to get the vaccine. If we just spoke in just stark and just transparent terms, I think we would simmer down, you know, more of the, the politics of it. That's my that's my take. <laughs> I, you know, I don't disagree with that. I think about the booster recommendation um, for better or worse, you're speaking to a subset of Utah or America anyway. Yeah. And I will say, um, I think for, I, I, w- I would slightly disagree with the characterization of, oh, they've rediscovered. I mean, every vaccine has a sh- ha- has an immune. It, it's why we get yearly a lot of shots or why some of these, sh- whatever it is, rabies last, some what, last whatever forever, it does, five or ten years. Some I don't do. know if like they do. chicken pox do. Well, I think pox. that's because you had chicken pox. I think, but yeah. A lot I of think them wear off, and I don't think people realize it, too. As adults, we think that we're walking around right. fully vaccinated, but a lot of them yeah. wane over time, too. Right, and, and so I, I don't... Really? I don't mm-hmm. think, and, and I think natural immunity What about the one that's a scar on my shoulder? Is that one still good? Is that smallpox? I, I don't know. I can't remember. What How is old are Smallpox, I think, is the one thing we fully <laughs> yeah. totally eradicated. I, the so I think you're good on that. scarred my shoulder. Where were you hanging around as a child? You know, you, that's that the shot everybody had. Everybody had the one on your shoulder. I'm not yeah. that old. I don't think oh, I have geez. that one. No. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I... I I will say some of it is, I think, correctly a communications error because they did say in a booster shot, I will I will raise my hand and say I'm in the category that will probably follow this. I have several months before I need to, but I'll probably follow it. But one thing that was interesting is then the next day they're like, well, this part of the FDA approved it, but this part didn't. And you do get exhausted by saying, what the what? Like, t- just tell me maybe when you know for sure. Then. I know. It's and constantly and changing. they're juggling between us saying more information, more information, and then us saying more better information, better information. Yeah, no, and yeah. so I, I just in terms of efficacy, though, I, I'm just going to do the good old-fashioned flipping of the numbers. If you say one out of every five, I'm going to tell you 85% do better with it, right? Yes. So yeah. they're the same number. And True. depending on your point of view, I'm going to go with the 85% or the 83.6%. And and so uh, this is back again to probably just bolstering the point of view and how the question is, how do we change our point of view ever, right? How do we ever get to the point where if you're in a space where you're not trusting right now and you're in a space where you think that these are not actually helping you, they're hurting you, how do you get to a space yeah. where we, you, you can hear maybe something that would be good for you or your family or change what you're doing? For sure. And to be clear, the vast majority of people who are getting sick right now and dying and being hospitalized are still in the unvaccinated category. Yeah. So. We're all watching that closely. And if you want to watch those risk ratios, I think it was about a week, week and a half ago now, the health department put those online. And what you do is you go to their cases online and then risk uh, factors, and it'll show you all that information. I will tell you the stuff we shouldn't be listening to. Okay. Just like that you shouldn't listen to two or three days in the bad stock market. You all read this story this week about how our, our life expectancy or something something went down. And I'm like enough already enough of you inventing <laughs> statistics to yeah. stress people out for no reason I know. Let's because help. in a little bit it'll go up or it'll go well, it doesn't help I, I, I was going to leave this topic alone but honestly there's there are two approaches and in, in even uh, in president biden's announcement of the booster shot in cdc's length there was some criticism he received from the scientific community and it was you're going to create more vaccine hesitancy because you are implying that it's not going to last and if they get fully vaccinated they take the two shots it's not going to stick around so why do it that is that is not a medical issue for me that is they think censoring or keeping other information away 
will lower the hesitancy to take the vaccine. I'm of the opinion, and I think the reason why the president said it is that he thinks more information is better. And I'm telling you, that is not based on data. That's based on the approach. And I hate the censor information to avoid hesitancy. I want transparency and in information to, to lower hesitancy. And I think so far that they're, the CDC is trying and the Biden yeah. administration believes I think that. everyone's trying. And I think, like Mara said, you know, when you're listening to the numbers, you can hear them from both directions. Everyone can give you the message they want. And if you want some positive spin, if there's such thing as positive spin on COVID, uh, there's an epidemiologist out of Florida today who said that in Florida, if you were look at herd immunity, which classically would be described as people who had been sick and recovered, and those who'd had the vaccine, he says it now needs to be 90%, but because Delta is spreading so quickly that by September 11th, they'll have reached herd immunity in Florida. Oh so if you want some positive spin, the yeah. Delta variant is getting Even more people the, sick, yeah. which is therefore <laughs> getting us closer. Well, they say that Florida can do it every weekend. They say the UK's example. They had the, the Delta variant before we did, and you saw the, a, a huge spike, but then right. you saw it come down very quickly. Uh, endemic, that's a new word, new term for me. For me, but okay. endemic w- is something they say we may be phasing into where it doesn't just, it's eradicated and gone from the earth and endemic is there, but we have a, a, we a reasonable ability yeah. to handle it's it. It's very biblical of you. Thank and you. if you Thank still you. look at all the science, and I know the science changes by the day, they're still saying that the Delta variant, well, it spreads much, much easier and quicker and faster. I don't know that anyone's proved that it's any more deadly at this point. So anyhow, I hope that Florida doctor is right and we're getting... Closer to the our end COVID game. good news. Our for the COVID week. good news. I'll try to come <laughs> up with one next week. Yeah. Uh, switching gears, it was the first week of school for so many kids. And Lehigh, Utah County, they got off to a rough start. Soon as the school day was over, there was a video posted online. I'm sure most of you have seen it by now of a teacher who teaches chemistry and I believe marine biology. And I don't know if she was having a bad day trying to relate to the kids or what was happening, but. It did not end well for her. She does not have a job anymore. Greg, I'll let you start on this. Uh, Hopefully by now you've heard it all. all. But the thing that was most offensive to me, because, I mean, any teacher who has a political rant in one direction or the other is going to make half the parents upset. But to me, the most aggravating is she was undermining parents and saying, your parents are dumber than you. I'm going to say it out (laughs) loud. And I don't mind teachers talking to our kids about, you know, you're smart and you're going to do so much and, like, you know, you can work harder or yeah, be smarter you, than your parents. I, I, I just admire you for trying to put any positive or just try to even describe it in some, you know, nice way. And I felt bad for way. her parents because she says, my parents are freaking dumb. And the minute <laughs> I figured that out, the world opened up. And I'm like, not hoping that anyone's parents are dead, but I was kind of hoping that maybe they'd already passed so they didn't have to hear this. Uh, so, Greg, did they do the right thing or was yes. this? Well, Cancel culture coming I, from the I don't think it's side. easy to fire a teacher. I think the unions do a very good job of making sure that that doesn't happen as quickly as we saw. So I'm imagining that she decided to uh, resign and move on because uh, it would end the scrutiny and commentary. It's gone national. This is a national story now. Uh, I think you're right. The premise, the underlying premise of this teacher, and there's been talk since then that this teacher has been well known for this or known to some degree about it. Your parents are dumb. You don't have to listen to them. You have to believe what they believe. Um, then she says, if you have an opinion, uh, you might want to keep it to yourself or I'm going to make fun of you for it. That's that's a beautiful moment in a public school. And you know, the Socratic method is all the rage at that point. But then she gets into her opinions of, of, of politics. And I'm going to say, look, I don't really want in a chemistry class to know whether you like or dislike any president, Biden, Trump, uh, Obama, Bush. I mean, why don't we, I mean, I don't see the place. And I think it's every parent's nightmare come true when you sit and scrutinize 
printed curriculum and you're worried about what the curriculum will say, and then in a very random way, you hear someone freelancing to this degree uh, that you're not going to find it printed anywhere. And it's what we worry about. It's that we worry that these kinds of uh, discussions are going on. I don't believe that's the only teacher and the only conversation that has ever occurred in our public schools. I wouldn't, I would never broad brush our, all of our educators that way, but I don't think it's an isolated incident. And I, and I worry about that. And I think that parents, given everything else that's going on in our schools and with critical race theory and everything else, you're going to, I think you'll see uh, people will want to have cameras in school. If you had zoom up until this year, why not keep the zoom alive and let parents listen and maybe learn more about chemistry and history while their kids are too. Maybe they'll have a little more empathy on the crowded nature of a classroom. I don't know, but I think there needs to be cl- uh, cameras in the classroom at this point. So I'm going to disagree. And with some the, schools have them, I think. Yeah, actually. I might. I might disagree with the police state that that Greg is outlining. And here's my no way, good that's news. Just, that's just tra- my that's good just news is transparent. This isn't ubiquitous, right? My good news is teachers are great, yeah. and that. Even with the ones that sometimes have a bad day don't usually have this kind of bad day. They have a parent bad day where you just need to take a break for a yeah. minute. And, and even sometimes when they express opinions that aren't held, and I don't think that kids are so simple or fragile that they can't handle a little bit of it. Now, I will say, I say that by way of the discussion because I think all of us agree that this teacher was a bridge too far. I mean, she went on and on and on. Yeah, and I think there's time and place to... <laughs> well, and, and so the clarity on this particular <laughs> incident was there. But what yeah. I don't want is like my friend Mr. Hughes did to use this I incident. I said I didn't broad brush it. I, say, I knew where you are going to go hey, with this. Hey, let's all, the, we got some concerns. I have no concerns about our teachers. They're great. There's exceptions to every rule. There's exceptions in every professional population. Yep, but I'm, I'm going to say the teachers are great. I'm going to say I appreciate the action taken here that was rather quiet in some ways and rather authoritative, mm-hmm. which is the rub with the education system that they can't get things done. Yeah. And they yeah. got it done. And again, this teacher was unique. I don't think she should be held up as a poster child for anything traditionally going on. I don't think there is a dark force trying to brainwash your children. I think that teachers are awesome. What's the odds that people are so worried about what's being discussed in the class and then you have this come up? I mean, it, I mean, what a perfect well, then they storm. they should stop watching the shows do you they're remember, watching. I'm not worried about what's that, going well, on. Well, I'm telling you, you might not, but critical race theory is, is a... I would argue that's an issue that's not. You're going to bring this up in the week where we banned the books that pointed out that slavery wasn't that bad. When you're worried about what's going on in the classroom, that this video plays right into those very fears that parents have. Do you remember, though, the good old days when your teacher would say the F bomb while she's doing a karate kick? Yeah, I don't either because they don't do oh, that. I'm like, no. That's what no, she did. I yeah. that. That's what she did. That's what we've and never seen. And the weird thing is, is I felt like before. she was trying to be on the first day of school, this uh, cool teacher who was yeah. really connecting with kids, but you could hear like the weird <laughs> uncomfortableness. And the thing is, is yeah. I actually expect when my kids go to school that during presidential elections that you might even hear your teacher's opinion because they say, you know, I don't like this. Tell me what you think. Not that I think you should be sharing your opinions, but it might be shared. Or I even think that the advisor of the LGD, LGBTQIA club might even say, hey, you guys, I am in charge of this club. We'd love to have you. You know, I hope you guys, you know, look out for your fellow students. So everything she said, I think, could be conversations in our classrooms. It was all just how. How? Yeah, it was just not done in the well, right way and, and in a crazy and while, rant. Uh, well, I don't represent a large uh, demographic of, uh, of kid of being a parent of kids that go to school. But if you see a teacher that has that strong of an opinion, what do the students of 
public servants face with a teacher like but I'm that. I worry about that. We all agree I she really, wasn't I just, modeling. I, but I don't want to. You're saying, Mara, that no one else has ever done this and no other teacher has. This is a one-off. I hope you're right. I worry that you're not. I'm That's just saying I'm, I'm saying. not worried about it, and I don't think it's the majority. And oh, I, I know will it's not say, the majority. I, I think what, what the best thing you can teach kids is it's okay to have different opinions. So I agree with you, Heidi. I don't mind the, the topics, but the best thing we could do, and I think Utahns need to have more public opinions. We just need to do it the right way. Yeah. We just need to be about learning and understanding people, none of which she was trying to convey. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, again, universal, not a good idea that she did what she did, and I really appreciate that they took yeah. action. But I hope we don't use this as a reason to boutique and shut down discussions in school or wholesale worry about our teachers. I'm not worried, by and large, what our teachers are saying. And by and large, the things that I have had struggles with in schools are frankly things that most of the community don't. So I hear that. I'm in a minority often. And I'm okay with that because my kids also know how to have discussions, yeah. I and hope. Pro tip for teachers. I, my son is actually at home doing online learning for two weeks because his school is under construction still. But I've been watching him do his classes. And the teachers who have gotten right to the topic – teaching, uh, I think it was a physics teacher I was listening to today my son was with, the ones who are engaging them in the topics and making them care about it, those are the cool teachers because they got the kids listening and like wanting to hear what they're saying. You don't have to act cool, just like make some rules like parents and kids will like it. Yesterday, my junior learned apparently how to tie several kinds of sailor's knots, which was an unexpected topic, but he did tie that into something bigger. So Again, good All for right. him. That's good. good. Just him. in case you're on the Great Salt Lake, your houseboat's blowing away, it's the end of the world, and you tie Climate change, down. who knows what's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> it is so true. Uh, big, big problems happening thousands of miles away from us. We've all been watching. It's all been awful to watch. Afghanistan falling literally in a matter of days. Uh, the Biden administration saying they didn't expect it. There's been a whole lot of um, finger-pointing afterwards. I'm heartbroken when I see the video of uh, last night. There was a mom handing her newborn baby Mm. over razor wire into the airport to U.S. Marines to take her baby, not knowing if she'd see it again. And I'm like, that's that's the sad part, because obviously we went wrong. Whoever the we is, we went wrong where we didn't protect our allies. We did not protect the people we said we would get out. And somehow we let the military leave before everyone else. Uh, Mara, when you look at this, Whose fault is it anyways? Is it 20 years of fault, or what do we do at this point? It's 20 years of fault. It's a failed war, and Americans, more than anything, hate failure. I hate the failure of it. It's complicated. Unavoidably and completely correctly, Joe Biden is our president right now, and the mantle of responsibility lives with the president. Now, I think... Absolutely, it is his time. Now, is he completely responsible, and does that matter? No, I would argue it, it's 20 years of complex and failed. I, I think a universal criticism that I, th- I think is true is how did we, whoever we are, miscalculate how quickly the Taliban would take over? But nonetheless, whenever this happened, and I feel like the genesis of most of the criticism is how much America hates looking at the sacrifice of men and women who did the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. And at the end of the day, I this is hard not to feel like some kind of failure. And so how do you say what you did was remarkable and appreciated and bettered the life of the people? And yet the 20 years, I mean, I would have been a person who 20 years ago would have told us not to go into this situation. And so um, I, I'm sort of two minds here. And uh, it, it, 
it does feel obvious that this couldn't have been the most tactically sound thing we've yeah. ever done. Um, and Joe Biden is the president of the United States and that who owns the, who owns the mantle. But to have that rhetoric without the rhetoric of we've been in an incredibly complicated position for the last 20 years and we've had both Republicans and Democrats uh, agree. I mean, we've been getting out of Afghanistan for 10 years. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it's complicated and Americans don't like to ask ourselves how we failed and, yeah. and that's a hard thing and for us I to think, take apart. Yeah, and I think we're going to be talking about it for years to come. You talked about the lives lost and I believe there's 25 Utahns who died specifically in Afghanistan and probably countless other lives that were altered drastically with um, PTSD, eye loss, then. leg loss, you mm -hmm. know, just families that have been totally changed. The one question I have for you, um, when you look at President Biden, does he need to change his advisors, Mara? Because um, Chris Stewart, I spoke to him, he's on the Intelligence Committee, and one of his concerns was that General Milley and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin might not be the best ones to be advising, because obviously whatever decisions were made in those final days to get out were made with... Um, the help of those advisors. Did they advise him poorly and it's time to swap them out or is that too much Monday morning quarterbacking? It's too much Monday morning quarterbacking on the week it started. Like you said, it's hard to find perspective. It feels like we've been, yeah. this has been going. I, if you said, when did this start? I'm like, I don't know, months ago. Like this is so intense and the pictures are so intense. But I think in the middle, and we are in the middle, mm -hmm. and I, I hear what you're saying about the military left before, but the military's still there. I mean, they're, they're still controlling the Air Force Base, and Biden has committed to getting people out. And um, and so I just think that at it's too early to peanut gallery on the inside workings I, of people who have been doing military commands for years and years. There's been some criticism of this young, um, hot policy analyst on the on the Biden um, team who's been calling the shots and really having a huge influence on foreign policy for mm -hmm. a long time. And, it, it, you know, th there's a question about whether he was the strategist behind it. But, you know, I our military people, the top shelf, regardless of who they serve, mm -hmm. is the top shelf here. And I do think we're not listening to the part where th th there is a level of responsibility from the Afghans themselves, and, and that sounds contradictory to wanting to support Look, the people who have supported us. It is not peanut gallery when you have ABC News correspondents after the president says, we, had no in we, we have no intelligence saying that, that Americans are not able to get into the airport and get out. And the, uh, and the ABC correspondent is just blown away by the comment and says, it is absolutely impossible to get into that airport right now. I don't know what the president is talking about, and they are on the ground when they say that. You go over to CNN. Now, these are not criti typically critical news sources of this administration, and they said it's like a Rubik's Cube trying to get in there. They talk about the Taliban beating people with the, with the, you know, the, fan, the, belt, the fan belt of cars of people outside with, with their, their documentation to get in, and they can't. It is absolute chaos. It is being reported that way in real time. And if, if we were to excuse that or go, well, it, you know, any withdrawal would have looked like this. I don't believe it. I believe a conditions-based withdrawal, that certain conditions have to be met before you move forward the next to the next step, was absolutely essential. I mean, let's just look at the USSR. They, they got out and they were able to maintain whatever government they left there for three years before, they, before it went away. I think the fact that the Trump administration... And I agree that everybody had, we had to get out. And the fact that the Trump administration was having discussions with the Taliban was an acknowledgement that 
they are not going well, anywhere. They are who and they set are the terms of the agreement, right? The Trump but, administration two years right. ago, who's, but, who, who, whose Mara, directives but, we're following. Mara, that was the U.S. Yes, agreement with I the Taliban. I listened really patient to you. Just give me a chance here. I believe that that agreement that was made in March 1st of 2020 or was announced then had conditions. I believe that when the Biden administration took over, the, the Taliban did not adhere adhere to those conditions. They did not follow the agreement that was made. I think you have to. Peace through strength is the way you have to do this. I, I, I am, there is no excuse for what we're seeing in real time. And I swear to you, the only reason the media is being tough on Biden right now is because their peer journalists from around the world are out of their minds, blown away at how bad this is. And they are not going to make excuses for or glaze over what's happening there because their peer journalists from the other yeah. from the other news agencies around the world are just out of, they just can't believe it and so that you are we are getting some integrity in terms of that reporting and what you're seeing on the ground to have these generals and to have general milley say we had no intelligence whatsoever to to even begin to believe we would that they that the afghan government would fall in 11 days well then that should be in your resignation letter my friend that, that is an admission of abject failure, and we got to be better than it that. We're the lone superpower. Intelligence is like we're the, the lone superpower. For heaven's sake! I mean, my gosh, every every country is when we're not when we're not strong, the world's not strong. When we're not leading, it's chaos. We have to be a leader, not nation building all that. But you can't see what's going on there and make excuses. Yeah. It's it's having it's real impact. And I think we're all reading up, just like we're reading up on the pandemic and coronavirus. None of us are Middle East, you know, experts. There's so much that goes on in understanding. I totally became one in five days. <laughs> I just want you to so know. It's so hard to understand because, I mean, their way of life and how they've lived and how their families are and religion and everything is so hard to understand. I think the biggest frustration for people is that we didn't do everything we could to get people out first and maybe not shut down Bagram Air Base or, you know, really yeah, get those things 5, done. Yeah, 5,000 prisoners that were in there, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a frustration. And I think the frustration we're going to be talking about for years to come um, from some of the interviews I've done the last couple of days is um, all of the military equipment on the ground. I think there was multiple, I mean, I think the intention was <laughs> to leave it there. But it's getting stripped. It's getting sent to Iran. It's getting sent to China. It's getting sent to Russia. And they're going to have intelligence on us and pieces of our equipment that we probably would not like them to have. China's already telling Taiwan, see, look how the uh, Americans will leave you and hang you out to dry. So I think that... Well, but I don't think... I, I just want to say, I don't think that that's what happened, right? I don't think we were we were caught off guards. And we act yeah. like, oh my gosh, we never... I don't think we expected the rush of humanity. I don't as think... As quickly as it did, But yeah. we intended that the exit strategy that we've had with our military equipment has been in place for Absolutely. months. So that's not a surprise to the United States. So I don't think we can extrapolate and say we knew nothing. And, and we've struggled with this part of the world since we got there. So the United States has not done well in this part of the world because of what you said. We don't do well with the tactic, tactics or the culture or the the disconnect. And we got there for arguably the wrong reasons and at the wrong time. So, I mean, I don't, I think it would be unfair to say the U.S. failed in extraction and actually got it right for eight, 19 and a half years. And some of what is uh, happening, we did anticipate and know. So, yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't disagree with Greg with the unacceptability of the last days. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I think then for America to turn their attention in the last 72 hours and then also you know, be able to say we didn't know at all. We, the equipment was anticipated, right? 
I mean, it's been sitting there. Look, we planned that extra but, strategy. It, that wasn't new. You heard on July 8th Biden say how much confidence he had in 300,000 Afghan soldiers versus 75,000 Taliban. He was so unbelievably incorrect in that assumption right. and you that know we left 600,000 weapons with that army in Afghan. We left 75,000 vehicles and 200 aircrafts with a with a that with right. a, and the Greg, military what, that fell in days. What you got it. You got it. No, everyone do better than says that. there's that 300,000. And when you look at people, I don't think there's really 300,000 Afghanis right. who were part of the military. Who knows what their number but is? What Not that big. The capitulation Maybe of half. the Afghanis. The agreement with the Taliban done by Trump. No, so if you're going to go heavens, there, no, Greg, no you way. have to go with the fact that, that, again, that we Mara, that flagged that agreement two years ago. We, and, and you're saying to me that they There were penalties attached to that agreement only, that if they violated it, we were going to turn them into only, an ashtray. They, vi- they started violating those agreements on, on January 21st yes. of this year. Yes. That is when not true. Out, that's when they started. Absolutely. That's not that's true. That's when they started violating them. Uh, that's not true. We were going to turn. They knew. The consequences of not do of, of not adhering to the agreement. They no, knew it. They, they only changed the second that agreement that was signed changed. with the Taliban. That's when the Afghan government knew that we had abandoned them yeah. and that they started to say, "Okay, I'm going to make some side deals because you all aren't going to be around for very long." And that's how it fell so fast. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the Afghanis knew that that's who they'd be living with, and they had to make sure they survived. Yeah, and they wanted to protect their wives. They wanted to protect their children. And unfortunately, I think that. I think the U.S. gave them confidence that, I mean, they had confidence when we were there. And when that confidence leaves, it's, they knew that that was the reality they were going to live with. So Now, I still think we have some testing of our government to do to say this, this crisis isn't over. And I hope we hang tight with some people for a while and, and that we, we don't give up. Like Biden has said, we won't give up. Let's not give up on the people that are there right now. The bad news before we leave you this week, the pandemic will still be happening next week. There will still be a crisis <laughs> in the Middle East and we how will c- still be fighting the How come there's no COVID with the Taliban? <laughs> Why is that? Not, how come they're all so healthy? I'm guessing, they seem to be doing anything they want. I don't know. I'm guessing Jeez. they've got problems too. Maybe they let it uh, rip through We've their ranks real quickly. We've established that the women there all wear masks. Yeah, some they're, sort, they're so safe, there I guess. So there you go. Oh, gosh. Well, we're going to be back next Friday. Uh, there's still hope and sunshine in the world. Good <laughs> things are going on. Go yeah. out in your community. We were a downer. Of that. Sorry. I know. Yeah. Have a great week. We'll see you next Friday.